3: You're locked in to the dopest show
2: on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Happy 4th of July weekend. I hope you're continuing to be safe where you are. It's one of those weekends where people are on the go, traveling the beach, etc. We're still a COVID-19 pandemic. People, please continue to be safe. Please wear masks. This thing isn't over. As a matter of fact, it's far from over. States have had to go backwards, as a matter of fact. Talked about it last week uh, right here on From the Press Box to Press Row here in the state of North Carolina. Not that North Carolina had to go backwards, but one of the states where the numbers are rising and the state of North Carolina going to remain in Phase 2 for at least another couple of weeks. And really hadn't been a whole lot of r- really uh, things getting better in terms of the numbers. So please continue to be safe. We got a whole lot to get to on today's program. A whole lot to get to on today's program as the NBA, the bubble situation going to begin. To uh, Matter of fact, July 30th is when that's going to begin in Orlando uh, at the ESPN facilities. And uh, I tell you what, I got a lot of thoughts on that, but we're going to talk with Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace is the senior editor of Grind City Media. Of course, formerly worked at ESPN where he covered the NBA, covered more specifically the Miami Heat and LeBron James. And then also going back to his days of covering the Miami Heat for the Miami Herald. Now, again, the senior editor of Grind City Media, the website of the Memphis Grizzlies. Again, Mike Wallace going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I mentioned it last week, Bethune Cookman leaving the MEAC. Bethune Cookman leaving the MEAC for the SWAC. I've got thoughts on that. A lot of thoughts on that in terms of not only the move by Bethune to leave the MIAC, but where the MIAC stands right now. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, when Florida AM announced that it was going to make the move, I said, okay, I think that the MIAC can still sort of weather the storm if no other teams leave. Well, Bethune Cookman left, so where does that put the Miak right now? Gonna have that disc- also today, here. On, from the press box to press row, Morehouse has canceled its athletic season for 2020-2021. What does that mean for some other schools, some other conferences, particularly at the D2 level? Going to talk about that today on the program as well. The Ivy League scheduled to make an announcement in terms of athletics for its schools on July 8th. What will that announcement be? I'm hearing maybe some talk of moving football to the spring. And remember, the Ivy League was ahead of this thing. And I can remember when it was announced that the Ivy League was going to cancel its season. I remember thinking, boy, what are they talking about? That And listen, we didn't know as much as we know about COVID-19 or the coronavirus now, where we still don't know as much as we need to know. It's so unpredictable. So, uh, listen, I'm interested to hear what the Ivy League has to say with respect to its 2020-2021 season also. Also today here on From the Press Box to Press, we're going to talk about Cam Newton. Cam Newton has signed with the New England Patriots. And, yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on this as well. I got a lot of thoughts on Cam Newton signing with the patriots as well. Join us on the conversation here on from the press box to press row. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row b o x t o r o w or on Facebook box the number 2 r o w we're also on Instagram at box to row b o x t o r o w. Also personally, you can follow me on my personal Twitter account at dware1 at dware1 also on Instagram at where Donald, Thank you to all of the great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. For instance, KTTP out of Alexandria, Virginia. How about WGBN in Pittsburgh? Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channel 142 and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Listen, I want to start with the Cam Newton situation and Cam Newton signing with, the New England Patriots. And I listen, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't like this deal for Cam Newton. And the reason I don't like the deal, because while a lot of the reports, and rightfully so, say he can make upwards of $7.5 million, which is, anyway, that amount of money is well below the market value for Cam Newton. Really, his base salary is 1.5. One million dollars. Think about that, Cam Newton, one point one million dollars. Unfortunately for Cam, with his in his history of injuries, playing only what one or two games last season, I mean, it it, it just hasn't helped him. But it's 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 not that really as much as the market is dictating. Not only where Cam Newton could go, but how much he could possibly make. First of all, the, the, when I look at the Patriots, the Patriots are masters at the, are, at these kind of deals. I mean, you had to know that this was going to be the really the only spot that Cam Newton could go, where he has where he could be the starter, and we and he's the presumptive starter in New England. It's the only place where he could really go. The market said as much if you look at every team in the National Football League, every team has either a legitimate starting quarterback or a young quarterback that the team feels like is going to be great in the future. You can look at the Redskins. You can look at the Jets. You can look at the Bills. Just those three to name a few in terms of young quarterbacks that are projecting to do well in the National Football League. This is what the Patriots do. They make Deals like this, and then you know, I guess part of it is because now you can play for the Patriots, you have an opportunity to be in the playoffs each and every year. I mean, how does that look now, though? Cam Newton there with the Patriots, no Tom Brady who had been there for 20 years, is still Bill Belichick. Does the offense change because of Cam Newton? I mean, I think if you're the Patriots, you You want to run your offense, there's no question about that, but I think you have to use some of the skill set that Cam Newton also has. I don't think Cam Newton had a choice in this particular situation. I think he had to sign the contract. I don't think he could afford to have sat out another year. Again, he, he essentially missed, what, half of 2018, pretty much all of 2019. Yeah, he could have sat out a year, let the market reset, come back, in 2021, because you're going to see some quarterbacks in 2021. And and by the way, that's if we have a season. That's a whole nother conversation. But, I mean, you're going to see um, the market reset for 2021. Um, Listen, if you look at a guy like an Andy Dalton, if you look at a guy like a Jameis Winston, those guys are starting, uh, starting quarterbacks and legitimate starting quarterbacks in the National Football League. But the market dictated, that those guys now are backups in the league. You could talk to me all day about Jameis Winston and the fact that he threw 30 interceptions last year. He also threw 33 touchdowns and threw for in excess of at the totality of his career to this point. He's a legitimate starting quarterback in the National Football League, relegated uh, to a backup role. I mean, really, Phillip Rivers uh, was sort of on the bubble in terms of getting a starting quarterback job i mean you know i like i mean i like jacoby brissett i think jacoby brissett is also a starting quarterback in the national football league the colts decided that they wanted rivers over brissett that's fine Uh, you know that's their prerogative but again it just shows the talent level of quarterback where we have uh high you know top quarterbacks you have quarterbacks that are uh uh, a, a tier below top quarterbacks, you have good quarterbacks, you have solid quarterbacks, and you have young quarterbacks. I mean, I can't, you know, I can go up and down the list in all the teams. I mean, there are no bad quarterbacks. That's, at the end of the day, right now, there are no bad quarterbacks. So the market said that ultimately Newton had to sign with the Patriots is the only team, that was on the market. And I'm interested to see. I want Cam to ball out. I really want him to ball out so bad and be able to get his money for next year because the market is going to reset. You know, I, could he come back to the Patriots? I think it all depends. You know, the Patriots right now. I mean, how do the Patriots really look right now? I mean, I think with what the Patriots, is the Patriots' way and what the Patriots have in place – Obviously, a good football team. I think you bring, it's going to be different than what we've seen from the Patriots in years past. I think they thought they had a good defense last year, which did a really good job for them on last year. You bring Cam Newton into the mix. I think if you're Josh McDaniels, you use his skill set in addition to what you're trying to run as the New England Patriots, and I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be a good move. I still like in this division, um, right now I'm going to say this, I like the Buffalo Bills in this division. I like the Bills' defense. Um, I like Josh Allen and what he brings to the table from an offensive perspective. I like the Bills' offense as a whole. Um, So I like the Bills to actually win the division, but I still think that the Patriots are going to have a solid season. I don't, again, Cam just didn't have a choice in vision. And man, I mean, think about it. This is a guy <laughs> that should be making in excess of 20 million was actually, and should be making like 25 million or more a year relegated to a base salary of $1.1 million with bonuses and incentives that could allow for him to make $7.5 million. It's an absolute travesty, but I think it's better than him ultimately sitting out 2020, another year. So that essentially would have meant that Cam would have sat out three years in essence, half a season in 2018. It may have been more than half a season uh, than a couple of games last year. And then to sit out in 2020, I just no, I think he needed to come back. Um, He's you know uh, play well, ball out, and then get your money in 2021. Your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at Box B O X T O R O W again on my personal account as well at D Wear One or on Facebook B O X number two R O W. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. Let's come back. I believe we're going to be joined. We're definitely going to be joined on the program today by Mike Wallace, senior editor of grind city media. Want to talk some NBA uh, either in this segment, I believe this segment, but if not, he's still going to join us on the program as from the press box to press row rolls on.
1: Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare, so the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. That's 800-579-0107. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time.
0: You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row.
2: Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. A little DOS effects, Mike Checker. And when you hear that, you know that means that my next guest here on From the Press Box to Press Row's Twitter handle is my Mike MyMikeCheck. He is Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. As I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, he's covered the NBA for many, many years, covered the NBA uh, and the Miami Heat for ESPN, as well as for the Miami Herald as Mike joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Mike? Hey,
4: man, everything is going on right now. It's amazing. We, we we aren't completely back to sports yet, but it seems like, you know, every day there's something new popping, man, uh, on every front. So I'm just trying to keep up with everything as best I can, man. Glad to be back on with you.
2: Absolutely. Man, we got a lot. Listen, we, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we got a lot to get to. You know, a, a lot. and uh, Let me even start here. You know, I know there were some things going on in Memphis uh, with protests and so forth, but I know you had your own uh, episode with the police more recently.
4: Yeah, I did. I did, man. And it was, uh, thank God, you know, it didn't escalate to anything, uh, near what, what we've been a been seeing in the streets over these last, you know, few weeks, few months. And, and frankly, the last, you know, 10 or so years. Um, but it, you know, I, I go running every day, jogging every day, uh, along which what's known as Riverside, uh, right off the Mississippi river. It's a picturesque park, uh, down there that connects the two downtown bridges, the one that goes to 55 and the other one goes I-40. Uh, it's about a three-mile in length stretch. So just imagine the mall on Washington. It's about the length between uh, the Capitol and the monument. That Basically, that's the loop that I try to run every day. And, you know, on, on one particular day about a month or so ago, man, I, I got stopped along the route by a police officer. Uh, the day after, everything went, you know, went haywire with the George Floyd stuff. And uh, the guy told me, hey, man, you you know, you can't be over here. You're trespassing. And I'm like, sir, listen, man, you know, no disrespect. My emotions are running high right now, but I run this path every single day. And I live right here in this zip code. You can see my condo from here. Uh, And and this is who I am and this is what I do. And, and frankly, you know, I don't believe that this is trespassing. And, you know, he was like, well, you know, again, I, I respect that, but it's just one of those situations where you can't be on this property right here. It's federal property. So I didn't want to escalate the situation. You know, he, he rolled up on me, rolled down the window and started talking forcefully. And I just said, okay, thank you. Uh, I, I'll make a note of that. And, and I just kept on my job, man. And, you know, it's the, my heartbeat at that time uh, probably was going 150 beats per minute, it seemed like, just because of everything that was on our shoulders. But, you know, again, I, the very next day, the very next day, same job, you know, near the air, same area, I ran into a police officer that I knew. Um, and and we chopped it up for about 45 minutes, man, just over the state of the world and what things are. So I'm not going to say police are bad. It was just that one particular cop that I ran into that was a little insensitive. And, you know, the very next day I ran into a cop that was very sensitive to everything we were going through. Um, So it's just one of those things, man, where you just take it day by day, man, and just try to live and and love and learn and move on with your life as best as you can.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. We may have talked shortly after uh the whole covid-19 pandemic but how are you and your family getting along?
4: Uh we're getting along fine man. I mean we you know my wife was tested uh she tested negative throughout this process. Um I'm negative. Um you know none of my kids or 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 my uh my my relatives immediately have been uh impacted by it, but we all know people who have and and unfortunately I know a few people who've passed along uh because of complications. So um it's it's one of those things where we just keep thinking that the worst is already behind us, but it's always challenging and challenges ahead of us. So, you know, you just – listen, man, my heart and, and, and my prayers and my wishes for peace go out to all of those who are working on the front lines, um, those who are tested, those who are, are getting tested. I pray for the best. And just speedy, uh, speedy recovery and peace and safety to everybody out there.
2: Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. So let's talk NBA the bubble uh 22 teams what's the bubble break it down for us what what is the bubble they're going to get this thing done uh in Orlando talk to us about
4: it now you use that bubble word like five times in like 30 seconds man so you love the bubble man but um you know the NBA doesn't want people to think of it like that they really are pushing the campus uh alternative in terms of language for it uh because it's more flexibility than being inside of a bubble I mean uh, there's some strict rules that come with it. We've seen everything that goes along with, uh, you know, access to players, um, you know, teams. And, and, you know, basically you have 22 teams that are going to be in three resorts and at the Disney property. Um, they're going to play games at three or four different gyms uh, all day long, basically. The first game is going to start early in the afternoon, and they're going to run all the way through. Uh, the, the West Coast late game slot time. So uh, it's going to be, from that standpoint, you know, all-day-long basketball, NBA, on your TV every day. Um, you know, and that, that's going to give fans that have been starving for something to watch sports-wise, uh, uh, you know, uh, endless appetite of basketball. Now, having said that, it's also an opportunity for these players, man, to express what's going on in, in the world. You know, there's strict COVID uh, education going on, strict testing going on but also social justice and social injustice uh, awareness that, that the league is going to wrap their arms around while they're there. We've heard about the Black Lives Matter painting uh, along the courts uh, in terms of from television viewing standpoint. Uh, we know some of the programs that are going to be involved in terms of players and increased numbers of uh, diversity in the NBA uh, front offices. Uh, all of those things are going to be addressed during this NBA uh, bubble slash campus slash next few months that get started July 30th.
2: You know, it's interesting. I mean, we look at where things are. And you look at this in the state of Florida, where the numbers are on the rise um, in Orlando. You know, what's sort of the thought process there? Because not only that, I mean, it'd be one thing if everybody was going to stay sort of isolated. But you have, you know, you even have people that are going to be working and so forth that are going to go home to their homes in Orlando. So what's the concern with that, that there may be a possible coronavirus outbreak.
4: I mean, there's always going to be concern. I think Commissioner uh, Adam Silver addressed that. You know, you can't run. Certainly have taken precautions every way, which way that they can. Um, They're they're not doing this just based on, you know, their own guidelines and wishful thinking. Uh, The NBA is working with uh, the CDC and local and state officials and, and, and making sure testing supplies are there for a surge in the greater Orlando area and that the NBA is not taking away uh, any kind of resources that could go to the citizens that live outside of that campus area. Um, but the fact of the matter is Disney employees are in a separate union um, and their union doesn't require them to stay on that property 24 um, seven. They're not going to have, you know, a lot of access to NBA players, but when they do interact in the areas where NBA players are going to be, uh, there's going to be strict mask requirements, strict gloves, um, you know, limited contact and all those kind of things. And when you're testing NBA players every day or every other day, uh, you can try to stay on top of that as much as possible. And, and the earliest sign of a positive test uh, is going to is going to trigger another layer of uh, of quarantine and apprehension. Um, and Silver said it himself. You know, one test is not going to shut this thing down. It will take uh, a bevy of, t- of positive tests them to look at things uh, in an alternative fashion so you know you just got to go in there and hope for the best man and, and they're taking safety precautions everyone says that that bubble campus environment in Orlando is going to be the safest place probably in the United States uh, when it comes to uh, quarantining and trying to move forward and other leagues other leagues NFL uh, Dr. Fauci has recommended other leagues follow the NBA's uh, guidelines and, and, and set up when it comes to them returning so we'll see what impact that has in the next few weeks.
2: Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at My Mike Check. Of course, one of the teams part of uh this scenario, the Memphis Grizzlies playing some pretty some good ball up until um the break. First of all, Red Weird uh John Morant put on um, um some weight was is having, I shouldn't say was, is having an outstanding season. Talk about uh him and and Sort of that three-month break, man, how do you think he's going to respond coming back uh, to playing here in the next, uh, th- uh, you know, next uh, three, four weeks or so?
4: Yeah, I mean, John was a guy that, that really didn't leave uh, the Memphis area do- throughout the last three 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 and a half months. Um, you know, he pretty much stayed uh, in, in the region, in the area uh, with his family. His family, his extended family, for the most part, have all relocated to, to, the, to the Memphis area. Um, and they have a nice little, uh, uh, you know, estate, you know, out in the suburbs out here, and you know they they pretty much got got at it, man. I mean, working out. Jai has gone in, into some gym work. Um, was able to do that, uh, putting on weight, uh, changing his diet. You know, I mean, he was he still had that college diet though. It's funny because he loves to eat cereal and ramen noodles, <laughs> right? So those are the things he loaded up on uh, during the, during the hiatus and the quarantine. And then I think he's he's gradually shifted and, and uh, you know added some more protein and all of that to his diet. But again, this is a twenty twenty one year old guy uh who's just learning what he is physically right now and, and he's taking the next step. He says that he's gained twelve pounds of muscle. Uh we'll see. But but those guys, uh that's important for him to, to hit the ground running and uh he's he's eager. He's chomping at the bit to get it started again. Um because he knows where the Grizzlies are. They're on the inside track right now for a playoff spot. They gotta hold off three teams that are right behind them in Portland, uh Sacramento and New Orleans and um it's going to be intriguing man because like I said those three teams are behind the Grizzlies and they want to hold on to a spot that will eventually match them up with LeBron and the Lakers in the first round so these this this uh this Orlando experiment is going to be uh fantastic for the Grizzlies development moving
0: forward
2: yeah no 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 question about it so y- you know your thoughts on you know how the Grizzlies were sort of playing prior to uh, the the break and then ultimately yeah. what they're going to be able to do in this scenario.
4: Yeah, I mean, they were playing, you know, uh, decent basketball before the break. I mean, they were a 500 team. They were coming off of a 11 and 4 January, uh, a productive February. Um, and, and then they went into March looking to really, uh, head down the stretch and lock up, uh, that, that eighth seed in the West. And, and they were in position to do that. They were just about to start a three game, uh, road trip against Portland, uh, San Antonio. And, 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 you know, it was one of those situations where, you know, they they really needed to win some games in the closing, toughest closing schedule of the NBA season uh, is what the Grizzlies were facing. And now they come back still facing a pretty tough slate, too. So, you know, they were playing well. Uh, Justice Winslow was just about to get acclimated, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh is is healthy now uh, Brandon Clark another phenomenal rookie uh is right there and then they're going to uh you know implement some of the new pieces that they've been able to uh to pick up since the trade deadline too so it's going to be it's going to be exciting man and you know there's a lot of things going on you know once these teams get down to Orlando and uh it, it just makes me also look back to them returning to a place where you know to circle it back to the social justice uh piece there uh, it was it was tw- the, the NBA in mass uh, has a presence in Orlando for the first time since 2012 when the All Star game was there, and I was there that weekend. And that also happened to unfortunately be the weekend where Trayvon Martin w- was murdered by George Zimmerman right outside of Orlando in Sanford. Uh, that same weekend, as a matter of fact, the, the Miami kid Trayvon was coming up to Orlando to spend the weekend uh, with his dad and his dad's girlfriend uh, and hang out at some of the spots where the, or the players were going to be at and. You know, he lost his life tragically, and and that case triggered the Miami Heat, getting socially active and involved. And when I was at ESPN, my column pretty much helped launch this whole wave of of social activism uh, among athletes and and bring light to that. So the NBA coming back to that place is also uh, symbolic from that. That Miami Heat team, man, this is also the 10-year anniversary, we're coming up on it, of I'm taking my talents to South Beach, the decision. You know what I mean? So ESPN is doing a documentary on that, the 10-year anniversary of LeBron's decision. And uh, being in the middle of all of that and covering all of that at that time, man, it makes you shake your head about, number one, how fast 10 years flies, but also, number two, how exciting and and, and engaging of a time that was.
2: Yeah. No, no question about it. I remember, yeah, that that was my last All-Star weekend was there in Orlando, um, that particular weekend as well. Uh, a, A great time as well as a tragic time also. Talking with Mike Wallace. Senior Editor of Grind City Media here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's take a small pause for the cause and come back with more of our conversation with Mike Wallace. This is From the Press Box to Press Row.
4: You're listening to From the Press Box
2: to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant.
4: I'm excited I get to play for They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and... And know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to for you as loud as they can no matter who you're
2: playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's was really focused. Just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard?
4: Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like, I had some great teachers Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers Black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it.
2: Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I,
3: I've grown in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression. And that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen. And people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult. And I feel like slowly but surely they're not. Taking That Aquila memory out their head, but realizing Aquila is also has that, you know, grown up. I don't ever want to be typecasted as just the weed hosting girl.
2: That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State, where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college in Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun,
3: you know, living my dream and riding the ride.
2: At the voice, of course, of T.I. They, it's some hard times down in the ATL though, nah, T.I.
3: and if that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But you know, you gotta stay down with the whole thing
2: though, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're they're not doing too well right now
0: well like <laughs> you know what i mean we gotta hey,
3: hey hey look man we gotta we gotta hold it down so we can so we can get it back right again
2: <laughs> that is the voice of maria taylor ESPN college sports analyst college game day is a show that i grew up watching a, a show that i've always loved i knew that when i was um, able to join i was
3: more than excited i found out the same week as i turned 30 and it's just something that i never dreamed i'd be a part of but something that i'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season
4: it's, there's nothing like it,
1: honestly. Hello, I'm Stone and I'm here chatting to Donald
0: on Thunder Press Box to press roll.
4: Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slow down. So, you know, I kind of know what to expect. Now, I've been watching a lot of film on you know, our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I just try my best to find an open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference.
2: I'm talking about none other than Common.
4: Well, I ended up with Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And, Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the School of Business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for
2: me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN swimsuit edition. Actually
3: really fun, like to be honest, me and Ali had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've like, are the best shape of our life. we're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women might feel that being strong is still beautiful so that's what we kind of try to do mine was just like Beauty, but also showing muscles. Like, I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and, like, sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great.
2: Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown.
4: Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the
2: country at the time, and he stood
4: up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So... I'm glad you brought
2: that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man,
3: thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. You, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division I.
2: WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion?
0: <laughs> wow. Uh,
3: After I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online, and I submitted a video to WWE.com. I didn't think anything would it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there.
2: We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State?
3: What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? (laughs) university why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers and that brought awareness to the school and after that i got drafted to
2: the san francisco 49ers hey everybody what's going on this is anthony anderson international movie star and funny mother (laughs) and you're listening from the Press Box to
4: Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk
2: and entertainment. Check the show out online at row.com That's from the Press Box to Press Row. Real. Relevant. Radio.
0: Those who can do. Those who can't Talk. Join Donald Ware in the conversation from the press box to press row.
2: We're back here on from the press box to press row. We're talking NBA. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on the program. Any teams that you think that are sort of sleeper teams like bottom tier team, the Wizards or whomever that, you know, could, uh, you know, win some games here and, and, uh, you know, make it to this uh, to this playoff round?
4: You know, they're not – I'll start with the West. They're not a bottom team. They're actually second right now. But but my favorite to come out of the West is not LeBron James and the Lakers. It's, it's not James Harden and the double MVP backcourt in Houston. It's the L.A. Clippers. I really think in this kind of environment where rugged defense and trash-talking and mental toughness uh, is going to come into play in an empty gym where, again, guys are going to be chatting, chatty back and forth with one another. Everything is going to be heard. People are going to get in their feelings. Uh, A team that's mentally tough like the L.A. Clippers with Pat Beverly and and, and Montrez Harold and and not to mention, obviously, Doc Rivers and and the superstars and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They have everything that they need uh, uh, to to thrive in an environment like that. So they're not necessarily a sleeper. I I would consider them my favorite. My sleeper in the West was going to be Denver. But when you're hearing, you know, information coming out of there about how uh, the COVID-19 is impacting that team right now, um, three or four players and staffers have, have been infected, and now Jokic, their their All-Star center, hadn't even been able to make it back to the United States uh, uh, so far this week. It's it's one of those situations where you got to scratch your head and wonder where they are. They were going to be my sleepers in the in the West. In the East. Um, Boston is very, very interesting. They're young, they're dynamic, they play well together, they defend. They're sort of a quieter version of the Clippers. So I think that that would be my team uh, in in the East to look out for. And also the Miami Heat. That's another rugged, defensive-oriented, mentally tough team too. So Boston and and, and Miami in the East and uh, the Clippers and Denver in the West will be the two teams, I would say, on each side that can make some real noise.
2: For you, uh, maybe – outside of the social justice uh, part of this, which you talked about, and, of course, you just mentioned, you know, a, a, a couple of teams, West and East, uh, that are sleeper teams for you. What are some of the storylines we need to be looking for, you know, in this process?
4: You know, I, I think the, the number one, the main storylines are, are all centered around health and, and safety and, you know, trying to get this, this, this campus format to make sure all players are and, – and staffers, for that matter – uh, to, can get whatever treatment that they need if they do indeed test positive and that they can also, you know, try to, uh, uh, maintain the social distancing and not have this, you know, completely shut down to this. Um, you know, and, and you just want it to work out. Um, I also think that the storyline about the age of the, some of the coaches, um, you know, Alvin Gentry, uh, Mike Dantoni, Greg Popovich, some of those coaches are beyond or in that threshold of, of, you know, coaches that are at risk because of their, uh, their their demographic and their age, and how they can you know sort of maintain their health is going to be another thing too. Um, players being without their families is going to be a big thing. I, I would really love to do a piece uh, on how you adjust to not being around your family for three you know up to three months, um, or, or two to three months. That's tough. These guys all go on road trips. We go on with them too as broadcasters, so I'm, I'm accustomed to being away as long as two weeks or something. But but to not be able to have, you know, uh, that, that daily touch with your family for that long of a time uh, is something you wonder how players can get around that. And, and even the single guys. Like single guys are used to having the ability to go out and date and have fun and, and have, you know, interactions with uh, significant others who aren't going to be there. So how do they get around that, that uh, situation? So there's some storylines out there I'm definitely intrigued to see how it plays off off the court.
2: Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us here. We appreciate the time, Mike. Lastly, you've done a tremendous job, you and your staff, with Grind City Media and GrindCityMedia.com. Um, it, it, there's an, obviously an HBCU uh, element to what you do, in addition to obviously the Grizzlies, the NBA, um, pop culture, et cetera. Your thoughts, because uh, we haven't talked with you in a while, on Florida a and and now Bethune-Cookman, Leaving the MEAC for the swack.
4: You know, I I, I I didn't like it for the MEAC. I love it for the swack. I, I do think naturally they they're, they they fit geographically better. And you knew you knew if FAMU was leaving, but do one had to come to as much as they as much as they <laughs> they despise the the, the 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 being considered the the step brother and the little brother of FAMU when it comes to that. They know that. Look, as long as they're lockstep with 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 FAMU. Um, they're going to be fine. That rivalry was going to survive. Just like you, you wrote an excellent column about that um, at from the press box to press row uh, on, on the MIAC and, and losing Bethune and Pham. Um But I think it, it makes the SWAC a super HBCU conference. Um, and and I, I love, you know, what with uh, what Dr. McClellan is doing uh, from a commissioner's standpoint, bringing these, these schools in, bringing these markets and these brands in. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to require some realignment so that may shift, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff and maybe Mississippi Valley or something like that over to the uh to the to the west. Um and, and Alcorn or all corner somebody may go to the west uh to make room for these two teams coming from the east. Now as far as the MEAC, you know, it, 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 you're concerned because frankly they're losing some heavy hitters, man. Like You know, as you wrote, you know, uh, Hampton is a a tremendous basketball program in a great region, Um, you know, a a, a strong academic institution with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, influential alumni. Um, And then you lose A&T, which is basically the the county seat of the MEAC, basically, when it comes to power brokers. Um, You're losing those two teams so fast, and then you come back and lose another two like this. You wonder where they're going to head. You wonder what's going to happen. Um, hopefully you have some other HBCUs, Virginia State, as you talked about, um, you know, and some other schools maybe can can jump up. You know, maybe it's time for a Tuskegee or something maybe to jump up and, and try to get up uh, into the uh, Division One ranks. We'll see how that goes, but I think it's great for the me. I mean, for the SWAC. I wonder what happens with the Celebration Bowl at this point. Um, we'll see where it goes from there. But but man, I'm looking forward to the every week in the SWAC. It's going to be a knockdown, dragout, robbery type weekend.
2: Yes, sir. Follow him on Twitter at My Mike Check Also, check out his work at GrindCityMedia.com. He and his staff do a tremendous job. He is the senior editor of Grind City Media. He is Mike Wallace. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Mike, as always, I appreciate the time, man. Continue to stay safe. I know you're not uh, in Orlando now uh, looking maybe to go down as this thing progresses, man. Continue to, to stay safe, and we look forward to talking with you soon.
4: Hey, no question about it, man. Let's do it again soon.
2: Definitely, Mike. Appreciate you. And think about it. The SWAC right now, 12 schools in the SWAC. I talked about a super conference going back, what, three weeks ago or so now. Is the SWAC primed to be that super conference? And ultimately, and I'm not saying next year or in a couple of years, but ultimately the conference that could make the move comprised of HBCUs to the FBS level. I talked about schools being part of this. Jack Southern Alcorn State. Really looking at schools that have that, and not that the other schools don't, but when you look at those you know, those three schools in particular, the fan base and now Florida A and M would make four. I mean those fan bases. Are rabbit. You know, and is the SWAC that conference. Tennessee State, I had a chance to catch up with Rod Reed on the HBCU football daily podcast, which of course you can listen to at boxtero.com. You can download and listen to. Also listen to at iHeartMedia.com as well and asked him about Tennessee State. Of course. He wouldn't answer the question per se, but we did talk a little bit about the move that Bethune-Cookman made, but getting some of these other schools, I mean, A&T would be in the Big South. I mean, it'd be a lot of travel for uh, an a t but a lot of times when you make that move, I mean, right in our own state, you look at a school like an Appalachian State, way in Boone in the western part of the state, look at all the schools that that, Uh, App State has to play in the Sun Belt in Louisiana, all the travel that it has to do. Uh, But again, could be uh, a move we see in the near future, a super conference as it relates to HBCU football. I've got thoughts on the MEAC, and I'm going to share those thoughts on the other side. On last week's From the Press Box to Press row with Donald Ware. Ari e. Banks was the head football coach at South Carolina State during the Orangeburg Massacre back in 1969. My
0: players was committed to try to correct some situation they thought was definitely need to be corrected. They asked me and I informed them that you had to make the move that you going to live with for the rest of your life. You had to be up front and i'm gonna support you 100 i felt very strongly that what was going on in Orangeburg was definitely discrimination at its worst from the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country join donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of hbcu sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures that's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station Donald Ware from the press box to press row.
2: We're back here on from the press box to press row. Join us on the conversation, hitting us up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W or on Facebook, B O X the number two R O W. So Mississippi is going to change its flag. The Confederate, I guess the Confederate portion of the, the flag is, is going to be coming out and it's going to be a new flag. How do you as Mississippians feel about that? Like when I hear when I hear Mississippi automatically, and I'm and I'm I'm sorry for the Mississippians. But you know, we got great great stations, as a matter of fact, uh, in uh, Mississippi, uh, uh, in Jackson, WJSU. We have WVSD uh, out of Ada, Bina, and and Greenwood, uh, uh, Mississippi, and other stations. But when I think of Mississippi, it's just not. I don't think favorably of the state, particularly when it comes to black people. Just like when I hear Birmingham, as immediately I, I, I just go to, it just, uh, it just turns me off quite frankly. And I had a chance to be um, at the, uh, the, well, I, I forget exactly what it's called, the official name of it, but it, originally the lynching museum in Montgomery, Alabama, big shout out as a matter of fact, to our affiliate in Montgomery, Alabama WXVI, but I had a chance a couple of years ago to go to that particular museum. Uh, That's great that the flag is going to change and all of that in Mississippi. But what about the 539 black folks that have been lynched in the state of Mississippi? And again, as I've talked about on this program, what about reparations? It's great to change the flag. That's great. What about Brothers and sisters that were lynched, and then, of course, ultimately reparations. That's that's sort of the discussions that we uh, we really, really need to be having. The change is great here um, in our society; it's all good. But let's have some conversations about, um, you know, uh, specifically about reparations. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't, you know. Listen, I wanted to, be, you know, have this program be a little bit different than. Listen, we need to talk about these things. I don't mean it in that respect, but I'm also saying that, you know, with COVID-19, we, you know, this is a chance for us to, you know, have some different conversations, you know, Mike Wallace and talking about the NBA. And then of course, talking about Cam Newton. So let me switch gears and talk about the MEAC. And boy, I think the MEAC is in trouble now. When A&T left, or decide or announce that it was gonna leave. And again, all of this with A&T, Florida AM, and now Bethune Cookman leaving. This is after this upcoming season, which by the way, you know, could be in jeopardy. I mean, we see the rise of these coronavirus cases, and by the way, there's an expectation we may see some rise in the winter months or as it starts to get colder. And with footballs, and I'm talking specifically about football, with football season wrapping up. And so if we have a season, but let's just say we'll, you know, for the sake of argument for right now, again, those th- universities are leaving after the 2020, 2021 season. So to me, I think the MIAC has to maximize, okay? The MIAC has to maximize. This 2020 2021 season. Because after this season, the way things stand right now, the MIAC is going to be down to eight uh, universities as a whole, six of those universities that play. So I think, first of all, the, the MIAC has to maximize this particular season. You know, there was a press conference last week as the MIAC. Um, Dr. Com- uh, Dr. Dennis Thomas, the commissioner of the MIAC, and then Dr. Wayne Frederick, who is uh, the president of the of the uh, basically the council of presidents of the MEAC addressed what was happening with the MIAC. I asked Dr. Frederick uh, specifically about the MIAC reaching out to try to acquire schools and more specifically schools in the CIAA. Uh, he said that that had not happened, but there was going to be an outside organization that was going to look into um, expansion for the MiA.C. Um, the MiA.C. released a statement on Wednesday saying that that is in fact what the MiA.C. is going to do. They were trying to, you know, to, to ease people's nerves. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, right now, the MIAC is in trouble. I mean, there's no question about that. There's no doubt about that. Six football playing institutions right now, as we stand for the 21, 22 season, I mean, I'm, oh, and and you know what, you know, a school and, and, and I did a piece on this and I'm going to talk more about a school that I didn't mention in the piece that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this off the cuff and see what you think. Um, but Couple of schools that I thought I I, I said okay maybe the the MiAC really le- needs to look at the CIAA okay in two schools in particular in the CIAA those schools would be Virginia State and Bowie State I think the two schools would be an outstanding fit at least one of the two schools but both schools I think would be an outstanding fit when I look at Virginia State Virginia State has. A very good football stadium. It it holds maybe, I don't know, maybe like maybe like seven somewhere between seven or eight thousand people. I thought it was bigger than that, but first of all, Virginia State has outstanding facilities as a whole. But when I look at the football stadium, it's solid. Generally speaking, you're not going to have uh, seven thousand. I mean, the stadium's not going to be packed. Generally speaking, anyway. But I think it's a good start. It's a good facility. When you look at the basketball facility, I mean, it It would come in right now. It holds 10,000, the Convocation Center there, which is fairly new. I think it opened in two the during the 2015-2016. So it may have been the 2016-2017 season. So I think they, you know, immediately would be the biggest, one of the biggest facilities. I, th- I forgot FAMU. Well, is going to be leaving. But I think FAMU's facility holds 10,000 as well. But uh, listen, Uh, Virginia State has excellent facilities, has a football program that is on the right track right now, has uh, a basketball program, particularly men's basketball program, uh, that's on the right track right now. Um, The facilities, when you talk about the baseball facilities, softball, they have all the facilities to make this thing work. And I had a chance to ask this question of Reggie Barlow, who is the head football coach at Virginia State. I asked him about the move by Bethune-Cookman to leave the conference, um, and if there were any conversations about Virginia State perhaps making a move to the MEAC.
3: I think if the MEAC wants to maintain uh, their conference and maintain – you know, the, 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 the the I think it would be a good fit to have not just the Virginia State but uh, Bowie and some of these other programs. I think uh, when you look at um, what these conferences want, I mean, you want a university that's gonna uh, obviously have good student enrollment. We have that. Um, you know, you want a program that has good football, basketball, and uh, the other sports, volleyball, and all. Uh, we have all the sports. Uh, so, uh, and then, of course, our leadership, our president, Dr. Abdullah, uh, he set the tone for uh, elite status here. Our director of athletics, Ms. Taylor Davis, has followed suit and, and uh, has done extremely well with bringing the right type of coaches in. As you mentioned, our facilities, our, our football stadium, uh, it's, a, it's a nice stadium and uh, holds a good bit of people that uh, would be able to enjoy the game. Our basketball arena is probably the best in all of Division II football. I mean, Division two basketball. I don't think there's another Division II school that has a better basketball arena than uh, what we have here. And then, of course, our baseball field, our softball fields. Uh, we have it all. We have it all. And um, I, I'd love to have two uh, transition um, to the MEAC. But, of course, right now, CIAA representing, and we're enjoying it.
2: Reggie Barlow, the head football coach, At Virginia State, that was on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. By the way, I invite you to listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast uh, at BoxToRow.com as we preview all 52 of the HBCU football playing institutions. Sounds like Reggie Barlow's an advocate for possibly making that move to the MIAC, but certainly that's a move that's got to come at the AD's level beyond that. Uh, at the president's level, even beyond that, uh, at the board of directors level. But we'll see how that uh, certainly could play out. And I, I would hope that the MIAC would uh, would would look. To, I, I, you know, one of the things is in this with all that has happened here in the last four months or so, the MIAC just wasn't prepared. The MIAC was not prepared for this type of mass exodus you look at this uh you look at the schools that have left i mean you're talking about five institutions in less than a three-year time frame where it looked like the MIAC was going to add three more institutions within a you know a a a, what a three four five year period so the MiAC clearly was not prepared for this got to add some schools the richmond market would be a great Uh, media market. It's the 56th ranked television market in the U.S., and then look at a school like a Bowie State. Again, solid facilities, good football program, uh, good basketball programs um, as well, good overall athletic programs. Uh, as a matter of fact, as well, in an outstanding media market in the Washington D.C. media market, which is number six, I think a move like that would solidify the D.C. market. Howard doesn't get a whole lot of play. Um, necessarily, but I think it's getting better media-wise for Howard, but you throw a buoy State into there at the Division One level now, I think it solidifies that media market. So I think the the MEAC still has some cards to play, but it's got to play its cards, and it's got to play its cards quickly. And again, ill-prepared, in my opinion, but it's not too late for the MEAC to salvage itself. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Personally on my Twitter account. At d one At d one Of course I also shared my thoughts in depth. On our website. At BoxToRow.com. I invite you to read my thoughts. Now hear this. Now hear this. George Williams is Out as the athletics director and track and field coach at St. Augustine's, George Williams out as the athletics director and track and field coach at St. Augustine's, won numerous, numerous national championships, both indoor and outdoor, men and women. Also was the 2004 USA Olympic men's track and field head coach George Williams fired by St. Augustine's after 43 years, a graduate of St. Augustine's. And uh, we'll have more. You can uh, We'll talk more about that uh, at box dot rowcom More information about George Williams out as the head coach of St. Augustine's at box dot rowcom I got to get ready to run here on from the press box to press row. I want to alert you to something. August 20th, August 20th, will be our 15th year on the air. As a matter of fact, on August 20th, 2005, at 5 p.m. Eastern, from the press box to press row, came on the air, and we're going to celebrate. We're going to do something big virtually. I want you to be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for that. We're going to do something big virtually, celebrating from the press box to press row. 15 years on the air come August the 20th. Don't forget about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can download or listen to the podcasts on our website at box And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.